Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the presenting sponsor of Recode Decode. Hiring is really difficult. I would know. I've written about bad hires at Yahoo, Uber, and everyone else in between. But hiring is difficult for everyone. You can save yourself a lot of stress by hiring with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large at Recode. You may know me as the woman in charge around here, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Tom Peters, who's such a famous thought leader in the management industry, it's hard to not have everyone not know who he is. He's the author of 17 books about business. His probably most famous one is In Search of Excellence. But his latest is called The Excellence Dividend, Meeting the Tech Tide with Work That Wows and Jobs That Last. It offers guidelines for both companies and individuals as AI encroaches on all our jobs and other technologies do. Tom, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you. A great pleasure to be thank, here. Thank you. So I want to talk a little bit about your, I want to get your book uh, where you're going now, but let's have people understand who you are. You you had been one of the more important workplace management consultants. How, how would you characterize know. it? I, uh, I have to characterize it with a quick review of the story. Yeah. Uh, in Search of Excellence was published in 1982. The research began in 1978 or mm-hmm. so. Uh, the Americans, of course, came out of World War II, kings of the hill with nobody even in second place. And then the Japanese had the audacity to do these things like build cars that work. Mm-hmm. And they got us in shipbuilding and they got us in steel, but who the hell cares about that? The car is intimate mm-hmm. to the American you know, life mm-hmm. fantasy. And, you know, we were, we were second in a way. There's a there were a couple of guys at Harvard, uh, Bob Hayes and Bill Abernathy, and they mm-hmm. wrote a single article in the Harvard Business Review that was called Managing Our Way to Economic Decline. Mm-hmm. And they said, too much marketing, too much finance, not enough product, product quality. quality right. uh, so we dittoed that in a way. But there was another part of the story that was interesting as well. I was at McKinsey at the time. And McKinsey was getting beaten up for the first time in its history by the Boston Consulting Group. And our managing director said, you know, we got we to gotta have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. And he had all these famous projects on operations and strategy. And then he called me in. I was a junior person, which was bizarre. I just got my Ph.D. from Stanford in organization effectiveness. So I think that was the reason. And he said, look, he said, we're the smartest people in the world. And we design the, mo- the smartest strategies in the world. And then our clients get implemented. Mm-hmm. Minute. Whose problem is it? What the hell is going on? And so we, in our fundamental hypothesis was, yeah, the Americans are getting the crap beaten out of us, but there got to be some places that mm-hmm. work. Right. And we went to some obvious places like IBM that at that point was so far number one, it wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. And then we went to places, and this is weird to say in 2018, you know, I went to St. Paul on a cold day and talked to 3M. Nothing had been written about right. 3M. Right. And also at the time, you know, we went to a middle-sized company or a large middle-sized company. I and my subsequent co-author, Bob Waterman, were at McKinsey office in San Francisco where the weirdos in theory were, according mm-hmm. to McKinsey. And so we went 30 miles down the road and talked to this funny little company that nobody had ever heard of, and it's reasonably well-known today, and it's called Hewlett Packard. Mm-hmm. And that was you know, the lid comes off the whole thing. Right, right. And, you know, there are a million ways to describe that. But at any rate, so we wrote this book called In Search of Excellence. To show practices. that Yeah, to show some practices. Well, well, I mean, you know, that I have this strong belief, and that is if I get to sit across the table from you, it's because I had so many incredible strokes of luck that they could not be counted. Mm-hmm. And so the week that our book was published, President Reagan announced 10% unemployment for the first time since the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And the way that I describe it, which has at least a grain of truth, is within the space of a week, all the business books moved from the back of the bookstore to the, the front, front of the right. bookstore. Like, what so do we do? Our, our timing was perfect. Right, what do we and do? And there have been all these books that had come out, like Theory Z, The Art of Japanese Management, and fundamentally they mm-hmm. said, there's only one answer, study Japanese. And we said, you know, 
we suck, but not everything about us sucks. Mm-hmm. And and here's some you know here's some case studies. Right, in order to give people a guidepost of what we yeah, do. Give them yeah that there's some places that work. Right. You know there are these companies like Hewlett Packard that can do cool things, and mm-hmm. 3M keeps inventing this string of products, mm-hmm. and, and Johnson and Johnson and and so, and so on. Talk a little bit about what was considered excellence then. And what were the key factors of excellence? Well, because I want to get to that's what a, that's now. a delicate question because we work for McKinsey. Everything was quant, mm-hmm. and so we had to come up with a quantitative measure. Mm-hmm. And I, we have, I think it was 43 companies in the book, and we started out with 60 or so, and we mm-hmm. put these financial hurdles on them. So we had to, we had to play right. the money game. Mm-hmm. But what happened to me and what happened to Bob is we, you know, we, we, saw, another, we saw another way of living. Right, exactly. You know, I remember when I, I was the junior person to Waterman, and we were going down to Palo Alto to, you know, to talk to Hewlett-Packard, and I was a junior guy, so I was the one who had to call. And we were used to working with people like Chase. And mm-hmm. we McKinsey was in the right. 49th floor of the Bank of America Tower. Mm-hmm. And if you were the CEO and I wanted to talk to you, uh, I would have talked to the to the personal assistant's personal assistant. Right. And three weeks later, you would have said no effectively. Right. So I, you know, use this thing that most people who are listening to us don't understand called a phone book. Mm-hmm. And I looked up Hewlett Packard and I called Palo Alto and I got a somebody at the front mm-hmm. desk and I said, hi, my name is Tom Peters. I'd like to speak to John Young, who was mm-hmm. the president. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was preparing for the three-week late and no. wait in this vo- gruff voice, it's John Young, who the yeah. hell is this? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was, and it was like, huh? You yeah. can be this way in yeah. a big company? Right. And then the really magical moment was uh, when he introduced us, and I write about this as intensely today as I did 30-odd years ago, mm-hmm. to this thing called Managing by Wandering Around, MBWA. Mm-hmm. And MBWA is a great term and a great idea, but to me it became a metaphor mm-hmm. for being in touch, for not losing touch with the people who do right. the work and the products that you're making. And f- in fact, the funniest thing that happened is after the book came out and sold a few copies, we got our three and a half minutes on the Today Show, and mm-hmm. we're interviewing Brian Gumbel. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting in the green room, and Bob turns to me, and he said, well, who gets to say it? <laughs> and I said, what the hell are you talking <laughs> about? He said, who gets to say MBWA on national yeah, television? Yeah, yeah. He was senior. He said it. I'm still pissed off All right, okay. years later. So, but that was, so, that was so kind so of the feeling. That was one thing, one management by walking around. The, well, but the, it's, the, it's just this. It's a it's a and mindset. You know, it goes back to the, all the stuff that we will undoubtedly talk about with mm-hmm. artificial intelligence. Right. It was a human workplace. Right. These were human workplaces. The guy right. I talked to at 3M right. ran a big division, and he was mm-hmm. sitting in a cubicle with three feet high walls. And mm-hmm. he was a guy you could talk to waiting in line at Safeway for groceries. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we, were, we, were, we were stunned by that because mm-hmm. it was completely antithetical to our experience. Right, to, to what had happened. Yeah. And so what you're talking about is sort of a Silicon Valley innovation kind of workplace. Is, that, did, is it a unique thing? That, because Silicon Valley talks about itself a lot. Oh, boy, that is so difficult. Uh, to some extent, you hit the nail on the head. Silicon Valley talks about it. These people did it, and they didn't even really know mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. were doing it. Right. Um, I mean, you know, the we had, we ended up with a list of eight traits. It kind of amuses me now. And the number one on the list was something we called a bias for action. Mm-hmm. And now that is, you know, God, that's the first commandment, the second commandment, and so on from Silicon Valley. But mm-hmm. You know, these were places that that tried stuff mm-hmm. and built prototypes, which now has become conventional wisdom, though that's a much longer conversation because they talk a lot about it, but I'm not sure they really I agree. do it yeah. other than, you know, under the heading of agile and some other terms that mm-hmm. I don't really right. in, I'm not in All love right, so, with. So- Bias again in action. Bias reaction was number. I mean, it was. It's a trivial list, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I just gave a speech at Fidelity, and I said, you know, I hope you buy my book, but the reality is, this is my seventeenth book, and I've written the same thing seventeen times. And why in the hell aren't you listening? Uh, <laughs> you know, it was talk to people, find out what's on their mind. This guy, mm-hmm. you know, at Twitter said the four most important words in any organization are, "What do you think?" It's mm-hmm. you know, treating people with respect. I've got a whole chapter on listening, mm-hmm. uh, and so on, and it's it's just you know it's the same it thing doesn't it's the same thing for 35 years mm-hmm. and it's not being practiced and i don't 
know why. I mean, I know why at some level. You know, you and I are talking as all this media merger <laughs> stuff is going on. Right. And honest to God, if we talked about that for two minutes, I would barf on the microphone. Okay, please and, don't. No, I won't. I promise. Okay. But absolutely no mention, no matter how peripheral, of delivering value to the customer. Mm-hmm. You know, CVS and Aetna or, mm-hmm. you know, announced that thing. I'm actually, as a healthcare user, going to get screwed out of that. Mm-hmm. Prices are going to go up. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, it's the, you know, the I, I put everything that I've done, I've done 3,000 speeches, and I put it all together at a website that I had called excellencenow.com, and it ended up being a 4,096-slide presentation mm-hmm. with 200,000 words of annotation, but something has to come first. And I chose this quote from Richard Branson, and the Mm -hmm. quote said, business has to give people enriching, rewarding lives, or you should not do it. Mm -hmm. And to me, it is as simple as that. Right. Uh, You know, way back when, and and there's still devotees of it now, and I'm a devotee just to the idea, there was this guy named, I think it was Robert Greenleaf, and he wrote this book called Servant Leadership. Mm -hmm. And I start speeches now, and I've been doing this book tour, and I'm 75 years old, Mm -hmm. And I get more and more and more pissed off as mm-hmm. I run around. Mm-hmm. I said, what in the hell is an organization? It's mm-hmm. people serving people. Right. And what is a leader? Posted. People serving people who right. serve people. Right. This is not rocket science. Right, right. All right. So the things you were talking about in the search of excellence really still apply. Absolutely. Today. Yeah, and, and one thing, you know, that's, you know, we can go to or not go to, to and, and it you know, I, there's this class of people called management gurus, mm-hmm. and, and actually the economist in invented right. it, and it's a right. sickening term, but as I said, I can't totally say that because it pays the bills. <laughs> uh, but again, the, the whole issue is I bet, and I was listening to this discussion with Adam Grant, and he mentioned a really mm-hmm. cool company. Mm-hmm. 98% of what we people write is about the Fortune 500. Mm-hmm. I am not interested in the Fortune 500. Mm-hmm. The Fortune 500 exists to make money, cut jobs, buy shares back. Mm-hmm. What I'm in love with are the SMEs, the small and medium-sized enterprises. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I dedicated this book to about 10 or 12 people. Right. And my favorite people were, you know, this guy Vernon Hill, who started Commerce Bank in the U.S., Metro mm-hmm. Bank in the U.K., Larry Janeski, who mm-hmm. is in Connecticut and has a company called Basement Systems, mm-hmm. Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jungle Jim Bonamino in, mm-hmm. in Fairfield, Ohio, has mm-hmm. this incredible retail shop. People come from all over the world. And, and it's these incredibly so exciting places that right. where aren't— Right, new things are happening. Yeah, where, where new, new things, things are, are happening, happening and where people really do pay attention to the customer and they really do pay attention to the people. There's, there, you know, Fortune has a list every year of uh, the top 100 companies Mm -hmm. to work for. And a couple of years ago, I think it was the 20th anniversary of the list, and they found 12 companies that had been on the list for the entire 20 years. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing to me, relative to what I do for a living, Mm -hmm. is seven of them were from industries where, in theory, you can't pay people good wages. Right. You know, from hospitality, from, Mm -hmm. you know, groceries and... You know, then they went through these seven companies and said, is there any things that these companies have in common? Mm-hmm. And they found one variable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're the smartest kid mm-hmm. in the room, but I bet you wouldn't get it in 20 guesses. And the variable was extensive employee benefits, comma, for part-timers. Oh, interesting. And it's just it's fabulous. You know, and you can afford right. to do this. And right. Publix is growing and they're making money. Right. And it was just this whole list with Nordstrom and Publix and mm-hmm. Ritz-Carlton, mm-hmm. 19 pay. I don't and, – and, you know, this, this so, ain't so small change. I get change. it. I get it. I'm yeah. going to stop you. Um, Publix so, has 100,000 right. employees, so it's right. a big deal. Anyway. So what you're basically saying is that things haven't changed. So what I do want to get to in our next section is to talk about what are the key characteristics now – of excellence and where is the workplace going? Because yeah. I think many people right now, maybe you don't agree with me, are in a, have a feeling that something's going to change really drastically or that companies are not run in ways that are what you're talking about, which is a, as a service to, to its workers. Because there's a, there's a lot of... Um, seems like there's a lot of disconnect. I, do, would you agree with that or not? Oh, totally. I mean, it's a... The whole process, you know, there's this famous Oxford Deloitte study that said 50% of American white-collar jobs are going to disappear in the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Brilliant people wildly 
disagree mm-hmm. about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, then there was a counter study that came out that analyzed the right. Deloitte study and said it's more like 10 to 50. But whatever it is, and this is kind of my bias in mm-hmm. the book, if you're a worker, yeah. you've got to get ready and right. you've got to prepare and you've got to grow. But, you know, how much yogurt hits the fan, how fast? But the fear factor. Yeah. And, you know, the fear factor, I think, and, you know, I am the 87 jillionth person to say it, was clearly a part of the 2016 election. There's mm-hmm. there's no issue about that if you dug right. Uh, right. deep enough. And, and people are terrified. I mean, right. you know, the, the statistic that blew me away in one of the books that came out is it said that for the 25 to 64-year-old white male, inflation-adjusted wages haven't gone up since one nine seven zero. Right. You know, my response was the only thing about Trump is it's a miracle we didn't have a Trump 25 years right. earlier. Absolutely. We had a George Wallace if yeah. he had gotten shot. Right. And it was funny. There's one, one of the books called, I think, Deer Hunting with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And George Wallace had exactly down to the semicolons, the same, the same, you know, message. The same message fundamentally. Messaging. And he was selling it in Michigan. All right. And this weird guy from Alabama won the Michigan Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll get into that when we get back. We're here with Tom Peters, the famous, I'm not going to call you a management guru now because you don't like that. But he seems to write about companies sometimes in some books. Um, His newest book is called The Excellence Dividend. And we're going to take a quick break now for a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by OneBlade. A lot of men struggle with shaving. From ingrown hairs to razor burn to just overall skin irritation, it's a painful chore that most men don't enjoy. Now there's a razor that takes the pain out of shaving and makes it an enjoyable experience that you actually look forward to. It's called OneBlade. OneBlade will give you the best shave of your life with no razor burn or ingrown hairs. It's been obsessively engineered to be the optimal tool for performance shaving. From the perfect pivot and weight to the finest materials, such as ultra high-grade German stainless steel. It's an heirloom quality razor you can pass down for generations. Each one is hand assembled and serial numbered. And every one blade is backed by a full 60-day money-back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. So if your family has been asking what you want on Father's Day, give them this URL, onebladeshave.com slash recode. Just for Father's Day, you'll receive a free Yeti Rambler with all razor purchases. Visit onebladeshave.com slash recode. I'd also like to tell you about one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who'd you talk to this week? Hey, Kara. I will tell you who I talked to this week. I talked to Dan Pfeiffer, formerly White House Communications Director, a genuine bigwig, now a co-host of Pod Save America. It makes him even a bigger bigwig. He's got a new book out called Yes, We Still Can. It's about his time in the White House and everything that has happened since then. It's a wide-ranging talk about how communications works in 2018, how it doesn't work, how Trump is good at it, how the Democrats are maybe not so good at it, and what the Democrats can figure out in time for the next election. It's a good podcast. You will like it. Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're here with Tom Peters, whose new book is called The Excellence Dividend. Before we get into talking about this book, I sort of want to set it up. Actually, let's talk about the book. What were you thinking when you wanted to write this book? What was your your goal is to find these small and medium-sized businesses that were doing new things? Yeah. Well, not new things or old things well. Well, let's skip to the bottom line and then come back. Mm-hmm. I do believe, and I make it clear to say offensive strategies, not defensive strategies. I do believe there is a way to survive this. I do believe that it has to do with the humanization of services. Mm-hmm. You know, I was was flying from the Albany Airport to the Baltimore Washington International Airport, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago. Plane that was coming in with the pilots came in late and on time is everything. So I'm watching the – this is Southwest Airlines, which is no great surprise, at least to me. I'm watching the pilots coming toward the aircraft. There's the standard garden variety line of of Mm -hmm. six wheelchairs. The pilot turns to the woman in the first wheelchair and says – I've said this 150 times, and my the hair, or 250, the hair on the back of my neck goes up. Turns to the woman on the first wheelchair and said, would you mind if I took you down the jetway? I have got roughly 7,500 flight legs to my mm-hmm. 
credit. I've never seen any. Those are the things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you remember for 25 or 30 years. But right. then the, the key is how the hell do you build a culture mm-hmm. where that happens? And right. you know, Colleen Barrett, who was the president of Southwest for a long time, said, we look in our hiring for listening, caring, smiling, saying thank you, mm-hmm. and being warm. And we want it as much from our pilots and our mechanics as we do from the desk people or the right. or the flight attendants. But that's the kind of thing that, that builds inc- incredible loyalty. Right, even in this day and age. So this to- is to- Listen, the guy who, you know, first I was going to dedicate the whole book to him. He's the lead story. It is this commerce bank, metro bank. All the big banks are cutting branches, getting rid of people. Digitizing Yeah. He has added 17,000 jobs in the so-called stuffy United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Two to 3,000 people show up for his branch openings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he trains his people incredibly well. The place is overstaffed. The branches are beautifully, excitingly designed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the funniest thing. I sat in on an interview with somebody like you with him, mm-hmm. and this person had come in from the outside, a, a Brit. And so he said, how do I get it? You know, he's supposed to be a hard-nosed member of the fourth estate. Mm-hmm. First thing he does is he asks Hill how he can open an account at uh, the bank. Uh, and, and you know, it, it's just, it's crazy. It's not, they, not hard-nosed. Yeah, and, Everybody <laughs> exactly. needs a bank account. And, yeah, and, uh, and, and you know, they, they thrive on dog friendliness. Right. You cannot get out of the place without, you know, in their annual report a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. they, you know, we gave away to, but, but it's totally human. So, so, okay, so being totally human, what else? Well, I mean, I singled some things out for separate chapters that I mm-hmm. pulled out. One of them at the top of the list, and I don't give a damn whether it's the age of mm-hmm. AI or not, is training. Mm-hmm. Training, 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 and more training. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, the, the odds of performing things that customers care about go up dramatically. You know, the, the way I put it is three-star generals and four-star generals talk about training 24 hours a day in the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. Mm-hmm. In the typical company, it is a mid-level ho-hum job. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and so training is a huge part of it. When I have a section on leadership in the book, it starts out with a, ch- with, you know, with a chapter on listening. Uh, it's, again, it, 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 is, it is really basic stuff, and it will work, damn mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you have a, a bloody grocery store called Jungle Gyms, and you're not allowed to call the guy Jim Bonamino. You have to call him Jungle, and people coming from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Because he puts on a show. Mm-hmm. You know, people love the Na- the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award. My favorite award on earth is the one that Jungle Jim okay. won. So, and, the, so and the award so, is called Best Restroom in America. All right. So training. What Tra- else? Training. Uh, humanity. Humanity. I'm, t- I'm thinking— how- it's just a place that values human beings for okay. being okay. human so beings. Okay, so I'm going to push on this because I think most yeah, yeah, people yeah. feel that work that, that's not where workplaces are going in right. that way. There's absolutely no reason why they have. can't. Yes, but here's what we have. We have the, 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 the forces of automation, robotics, AI, um, even self-driving. I'm going to use that as a broad right. term. It's all these different technology forces gathering um, to— and your book is, has, a, has a subhead about tech, like the tech yeah. is part of it. You have all these—talk about these forces right now and, and how you look at them because they all spell a very different workplace. They spell a very different workplace, mm-hmm. but you've got to make it until tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. and I've got to make it until tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the dire ones say 15 to 20 years, and one of my responses is, for Christ's sakes— We've got to meet the customer's needs in 2018 and 2019. I get that. Well, and my bias is, and I'm not alone in this, mm-hmm. self-driving is incredible, but the number of state, local, and national regulations that have got the change to make sure. it happen right. are staggering. But that's it's, kicking it down it's, the road. It's, 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 I want you to, uh, to talk about these trends. Like, what do you imagine they will do to the workplace? when Because when you talk about these things, many of these jobs will be replaced. We, like you said, no matter what. Or, the, or they will be changed. Right. You know, I'm a I'm a great fan of the two MIT guys, McAfee mm-hmm. and uh, Brynjolfsson, who mm-hmm. wrote a book, The Race Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. And they argue, and I was not particularly in favor of this at the beginning, that every time we've had a technology change, I can identify every single job by name, number, and serial number that we're going to lose, and I can't identify any of the new jobs that are going to be created right. because they haven't been right. created. Right. And so, 
I, you know, I do think all it's this AI versus IA. Is it mm-hmm. you know artificial intelligence or is it intelligence augmented? Will mm-hmm. it be a tool or will it wipe us out? Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I hope that we'll end up more on you know the intelligence augmented. And I think I'm not terrified okay. of the next. I mean, I'm 75. What the hell do I care? <laughs> uh, I believe be that dead. a 40 year old who is totally dedicated to re education every single day of the year mm-hmm. is going to make it and is going to flourish. And mm-hmm. I think that they are going to flourish by being of value to some customer set, for God's right. sake. Customer it's set. Not, it's not new. Mm-hmm. It is not new. You know, it's it's a uh, and to tie. You know, my my wife and I have a have a sub zero refrigerator and the 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 compressor went out and the guy can, you know guy came to fix it and I chat with everybody. Here's a guy who I would guess is forty forty five years old. He mm-hmm. has a you know little utility company that helps do appliances. Mm-hmm. Six people. He had just gotten back from a two-week training course that he had paid for out of his own pocket mm-hmm. on the Internet of Things. And, mm-hmm. you know, when refrigerators right, start sure. ordering yeah, yeah. your stuff for you. Right. So I think he's going to survive, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to thrive. And I think there's a good chance that his six-person company will be a 16-person company. I am incredibly optimistic about people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so where I, do we fall short? What What is happening, and who's responsible for that? Because one of the things I talk about a lot is that these technology companies, Uber, whoever you want to point to, are creating these technologies that obviously you're going to, it may create more jobs, but it's going to displace a right. number. And there's nobody there thinking about it or caring, no, neither one. And, and I'm not so sure it's their responsibility to do that. So where, how do we think about that when, when we don't know where these reports are coming out, where jobs are going and what happens? Well, how do you figure out who should be the one to take the lead in this? Yeah, well, First of all, I would, un, you know, as somebody who spent 30 years of his life working in Palo Alto, mm-hmm. I and I know the term is strong. I could, you know, with all the stuff with Cambridge Analytica and so on, I think it's become a moral cesspool. And mm-hmm. I will not go back in that. And, well, tell me and, about that. Uh, I, I, th- I, I think agree with I, you in the, large part. I, yeah, I mean, it's a strong word. No, it's and not. It is a strong word right. to say moral well, cesspool. We, you know, we had a... I go to New Zealand in the winter, and we had a friend whose kid is in, you know, who works in Silicon Valley. He said, my son calls it, calls Palo Alto now shallow alto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it was the same damn thing with a cotton gin. Right. Nobody could have predicted the implications. Right. But what annoys me with the Zuckerberg testimony and so on right. is still this game of naivete. Mm-hmm. For God's sakes, yes. you know— I live in the United States. Until recently, I was proud to tell people that somebody screwed with my country's elections, mm-hmm. and they screwed with them because of the way these extraordinary tools were used. Right. I don't think Zuckerberg could have predicted it, nor right. should it, or should have predicted it. But I think he could damn well jump into the middle of the fray. I don't give a shit what his net worth is, <laughs> and it, you know, it, and you know, I'm I'm just rabbit on this topic. Uh-huh. Uh, Keep he should going. have jumped in right into the middle of the fray. I'm not suggesting that he immediately should have gone to a fee model or mm-hmm. what have you, but he could have stood up in front of his fellow Americans and said, mea culpa, and we're really going to work on this stuff. Mm-hmm. And for God's sakes, you look at the things that are said still today. To this day, they're dodging it. Mm-hmm. They're completely dodging it. And even some of, I don't know about Ms. Sandberg, but for God's sakes, Eric Schmidt, who's supposed to be the adult supervision, he's, you know, but but then it it, it you are it, exasperated, Tom. I am completely. It <laughs> was my, my home. <laughs> I only get to be here with you because in Silicon Valley, I lived with it. Yeah, and, yeah. and I know it can just. It's maybe just the raving of an old oh, man. Oh, I like the raving. But it, Tom. I keep but going. It's my bloody valley. Right. Exactly. I had my office on five fifty five Hamilton Avenue, yeah. and I'm not trying to recapture. Yogurt shop. Bill yeah. and Dave going to Diana's yeah. or whatever the right. hell it was right. where we all so went to. Go for back a little bit. You were there for 30 years. What what was it like then? And so I agree with you on well, it's it, a moral it, puddle. It was different. Yeah. Because until Mr. Jobs 
incarnation number two, when Mm -hmm. he came back, Mm -hmm. there were zero consumer goods Mm -hmm. coming out of Silicon Valley. Right. And Route 101, which has so many of the big gangs today, was Lockheed Martin, Ford, Philco Ford. Mm -hmm. They were defense contractors. The average engineer was 43 years old and wore a pen protector. Mm -hmm. And the pace was a lot slower. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... And, I, and, and, you know, it's an evil world and we have to have weapons, so I'm not against weapons manufacture, but it felt purposeful. Right. I don't think David Packard would have given, you know, that's the way I can describe it to you. Okay. Mark Zuckerberg's testimony mm-hmm. and David Packard's testimony mm-hmm. on the same issue. Mm-hmm. You know, you would not have had one coincidental word, sentence, mm-hmm. or paragraph. Mm-hmm. Packard felt that he was part of the United States of America. He felt that he had an obligation. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting he would have blown his company up, for God's sakes, but he he wouldn't have been evasive. He would have spoken plain English. I think one of the themes I've talked about for two years now is this evasion of responsibility or abrogation of responsibility. I think that's how I kind of put it because it's sort of like— bad things happened, we don't know how. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a group of people that all before that were saying how smart they were. And so you sort of are like, which one is it? Is, are you, did you, ha- or we didn't, we, I think the term that Mark used on the testimony, which I found rather irritating, was we now see we take a broader responsibility. And I think when <laughs> I said... the ultimate <laughs> bullshit sentence. Honest <laughs> to was, God. Well, I, th- I know. You know I, I thought I thought the one where they said we don't make money with your, we don't sell your data, Senator. Was no, that's my, worse. That was my. It was like yeah, yeah you kind of yeah, do. Yeah. Okay, not technically. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm not per what we said a minute ago. I'm not asking them to have anticipated it. Right. Right. But once it smashes you, particularly stuff like Cambridge Analytica, mm-hmm. don't. Dodge. Mm-hmm. Be an adult. Right. Well, that was an interesting— Somebody's screwing with my country. Right. When my wife and I go to New Zealand, <laughs> which we're lucky enough to do for two months, yeah. uh, you know, people laugh at us. Oh, and they do. Okay, yeah. They do. I think they're you laughing know, at us uh, from every country, from, yeah, Tom, from every but that's country, a different yeah. thing. But but I want to get back to this idea is that, that the abrogation of responsibility— is a mindset that, to me, doesn't breed innovation. You know what I mean? That it doesn't breed. And what was interesting is I d- did a um, an interview with Tim Cook not long after this, and he said, um, "I said, what would you do if uh, you were Mark Zuckerberg?" He said, "Well, I wouldn't be in this situation in the first place." You which know, I think which is true. Was great. And then he had a very cogent. Uh, analysis of what happened and what should happen, and which was adult, which I felt was an adult, a great response, and super smart. Like, here's what, here's the problem, here's what I do, here's what, you know what I mean? And he was, now obviously he has a different business model, so he can, right. you know, he's the luxury of saying that. And instead of, what was really interesting to me was instead of um, people going, okay, that was, that's a really smart thing to say, you're right. He was attacked by Mark and others about because Apple was expensive, whatever whatever yeah. excuse they use. And to me, that was a really the the response was more interesting than anything yeah. else because it said, we don't take responsibility for what we're not listening to someone who's making a cogent remark. And instead, our first impulse is to attack the, the yeah. messenger. No, abso- absolutely. Kind of thing. No, I, th- I think it's I think it's a br- and, and I'm not surprised that. Tim looked at it in an antithetical well, fashion, and I'm afraid I'm not surprised that that their comeback. So what there. happens? Because here's these companies that are supposed to be the most innovative, and you wrote about the most innovative companies early on. Is tech really the leaders anymore of the thought leadership, or what do you imagine has to happen? Because they have created this enormous wealth, these Absolutely. enormous innovations, and they have practices that led to that. What do you? Where do you imagine it going? Well, the one thing that has happened, which is a fabulous thing is nobody's dewy-eyed anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't, you know, we don't every night get down on our knees in greater Boston and mm-hmm. worship Silicon Valley. And that's mm-hmm. huge. It's mm-hmm. a, it's an attitude shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly agree that everything in the world is overregulated, but there's got to be regulation for this, the mm-hmm. same way there was from AT and, for AT&T years mm-hmm. ago. I incidentally, I'm maybe maybe I didn't hear you. I don't think there's anything at all antithetical about measured 
conversation and accepting responsibility and wild-ass innovation. Mm -hmm. The two are not mm -hmm. antithetical. Mm -hmm. you know, innovation is about trying stuff. I call it WTTMSW. Whoever oh, tries the most it. stuff wins. Okay. And then I've got a longer one, and I can't remember all the letters. Whoever tries the most stuff and screws the most stuff up, the fastest wins. Mm -hmm. And I've got a chapter on that, and it's my only chapter on innovation. And I said to people, it's the only thing, I believe, mm -hmm. after 30 years. But I see that, you know, so I've got that chapter, and then I've got the people section. They're not antithetical. Right, right. You know, if you feel an ownership and if you feel a responsibility, the odds go up higher. Toward the world, that, toward the know, rest of the toward world. Toward the world. Yeah. And there's more willingness to, to innovate. Right. All right. This is really great conversation. When we get back, we're with Tom Peters. He's the author of The Excellence Dividend. Uh, we're talking about the moral cesspool of Silicon Valley, which is always my favorite topic. Um, when we get back, uh, we'll talk more. Today's show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever need to send money internationally? Sure. Your bank or PayPal can get your money from A to B, but that transfer will cost you more than it should, a lot more. That's the old way of doing things. Let me tell you about the new, smarter, and cheaper way to send money internationally, TransferWise. TransferWise was founded by two friends, Tabit and Christo, who were frustrated by their bank's bad exchange rates and high fees. They wondered, what if we could bypass the banks entirely? So they built TransferWise. That was seven years ago. Today, more than two million people use TransferWise, people sending money home, businesses paying suppliers, freelancers getting paid, the list goes on. TransferWise's clever new technology gives you a great exchange rate and a low fee. So it'll put some extra money in your pocket for more important things. No one has ever said it's important that my bank get some extra money. Test it out for free at transferwise.com slash podcast or download the app. Once again, that's transferwise.com slash podcast. It's the wise way to send money. I'd also like to tell you about my other podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask. Every week, we answer your questions about consumer tech and the week's news. This week, I talked to Peter Kafka, executive editor of Recode, who writes about media frequently. Peter, what did we talk about? Media. Talk about media. What, media what about media? We talked about everything. Mega about media Time Warner, AT&T, Viacom, CBS, Disney, Fox. What's going to happen to your favorite TV show? Right, and also because of these decisions, these legal decisions about mergers between AT&T. Because of that and because of the internet. Right, and where the internet people play. Yes, disruptive yeah. technologies like the one you are listening to right now. Exactly. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. We're here with Tom Peters. His new book is called The Excellence Dividend. Um, he obviously is most famous for In Search of Excellence. Um, we've been talking about uh, where Silicon Valley has gone awry, I guess. Um, I want to get into this uh, about one of the issues around Silicon Valley. Another one, which I think is an issue around the country, is diversity and uh, the Me Too movement and everything else. And it seems new numbers just came out today for every tech company, and it's still the same. Do you consider this a problem? Obviously, they haven't fixed it or they they haven't made any strides whatsoever. And it's they talk about fixing it, but they never do. Is it over? Should this be something they should focus on or any company should focus on or not? <laughs> I'm smiling at you okay. because, you know, it's, it, it is a topic that I have right. been working on since yeah. 1996. Yes, you have, yeah. And it is, that is gross understatement. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been working on women's issues since 1996. Mm -hmm. I've got a chapter on that in mm -hmm. the new book and chapters in so old books. So tell us about it. Well, first of all, fundamentally, as I read the research, mm -hmm. the research says women are more effective leaders, mm -hmm. women are more effective negotiators, women are more effective salespeople, women are better investors. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite books, I don't know if you ever had her on, she's a Motley Fool person, Luann Lofton, and yeah. her book, my favorite topic, title of all books in history, uh, Warren Buffett Invests Like a Girl and Why You Should Too. And the wonderful thing was Buffett had never heard of it, and he yeah. wrote the first review on yeah. Amazon. Okay, And, and so I, I believe that Particularly, and it gets back to some of your earlier questions, particularly in today's world where the old power structures mm -hmm. don't work, mm -hmm. that the sensibility that women in general bring to this stuff, and, and the evidence, for God's sakes, yeah. you cannot dodge it anymore. Yeah. I worked at McKinsey. If they are one thing, they're analytically mm -hmm. brutal. Mm -hmm. uh, one study they had said, uh, and this was worldwide, companies with truly mixed-gender boards 
wildly outperformed others financially, including a 56% higher profit margin. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, got, I get into this in Twitter all the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if you really want to know who I am, I believe in tokenism, and tokenism is every board should probably have one or two men. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, which I love. Somebody oh, I said, love her. I know. If you're not in love with I Ruth Bader clone, Ginsburg, I need to yeah, clone her. Yeah, I, well, we both can. It'll yeah. be a little tougher for me, but right. we, we can both do it. And, and, and somebody said, well, you know, what will you feel is the right gender balance for the Supreme Court. She said, nine to nothing, women. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. First <laughs> yeah. 225 right. years, we had nine zip right. men. Right. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I, first of all, it goes back to economics, number one. When I started talking about this 22 years ago, I said, listen, social justice is incredibly important to me. I marched on Washington for choice, mm -hmm. but that's not what I do for a living. I said, right. I am here Show because the simple fact of the matter is that women buy everything. 80% mm -hmm. of consumer goods, women are now well over 50% of professional purchasing officers. Mm -hmm. So they are as likely to sign the 10-year, $5 billion ISIT outsourcing contract as right. to choose the family right. vacation. And, and, and I have what I call the squint test. Mm -hmm. And my squint test is, show me a photograph of your executive team. I ain't counting. We're not talking quotas. When I squint, the composition of the team ought to look kind of, sort of, like the market that you're serving. Right. And so, you know, I think that any board that is not, and, and gender balance, I wrote this in the book, I said, gender balance, I'm trained as an engineer, I'm shockingly sophisticated mathematically. Mm -hmm. If you have a board of directors of 10 people, gender balance is take 10, divide by two, mm -hmm. five women minimum. And frankly, right. I thought, think it ought to be six or seven. The McKinsey study, right. and again, McKinsey is not into overstatement. They said, if you want to succeed in today's world, start by promoting women. Mm -hmm. And I believe it is a difference. So what happens in, in these industries? Because the, what is considered our most innovative industry, which is Silicon Valley and tech, really is mired in not just women, not women, people of color, diversity of thought, diversity of age, diversity of everything, um, where they do not seem to be moving the needle. Yeah. Where does that go in the, in well, the current environment? I don't have a clue. Okay. Because I completely agree with you, and I don't know how this, you know, maybe there'll be— Did you interview the woman, I can't remember her name, who wrote Brotopia? Yes. Yeah, she. We ended up with a great conversation. I mean, mm -hmm. Brotopia. I read it in a book with hard covers, mm -hmm. and if you went through the book, you would see barf stains <laughs> on half of the pages. It was ten times worse than I thought it would be. Yeah. And I. But how do you, you know? Throw the question back to you. If you, how do you fix something that bad? Mm -hmm. And that's not one that mm -hmm. can be fixed by regular. You, you know, the most fascinating thing I thought. I think it was Brotopia. It might have been in the in the other book that came out. Most fascinating thing, and I think she was the one who said it, relative to what we're looking at with it, she said there probably would a one of the problems of having all your code written by boys who in general don't have the social skills they might have, mm -hmm. women would have brought a different sensibility yeah. Yeah. to the writing of that code. Mm -hmm. And I and I, I think that is Absolutely true. A hundred percent. But how do we make it happen in Silicon Valley? God alone. So is it happening other places? Well, give me some examples. <laughs> but what, what, one, one of the tragic answers, the, which I happened yeah. to read when right. I was on the train coming down from Providence this right. morning, is, and I, I tweeted it, and I said, Melinda Gates gets the quote of the year. Mm -hmm. And she said, we have— a lower number, lower number of women Fortune 500 CEOs than we have CEOs whose first name is Jim. Jim, right? Yeah, yeah. And I love that. Yeah, you know, yeah I was sitting on the train Facebook. laughing hysterically, right, right. spitting all over the guy next right. to me. But right. it's it's not funny. Right. No, uh, no, I we mean, did well, that on the, the new Facebook reorg. Yeah, well, one, I mean, one thing that's going to happen, and mm -hmm. this doesn't speak to the much more difficult issue of of white men, et cetera, mm -hmm. is Men have become superstars at dropping out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think the undergraduate and the women graduates at the baccalaureate level mm -hmm. is something like 55 percent. Women graduates at the graduate level is up in the 60s. I mm -hmm. mean, my laugh line is 10 years from now, I know there's going to be a woman CEO because if all five candidates are women, mm -hmm. it, it is happening. Mm -hmm. But the numbers are still 
awful. I mean, it, it, again, relative to what I do when I throw books at people and, and so on, mm-hmm. is start with the market. Mm-hmm. I am not asking you to believe that women are mm-hmm. better leaders. I'm asking you respond to your market. market right. Who's? And there's, there's you know, it's the same people. Incidentally, I've got two topics on that mm-hmm. in the book. The other one is me. We can talk about all this stuff, but who has the money? It ain't the millennials. Mm-hmm. It is the over 50s. Right. And nobody understands that in right. Silicon Valley, frankly, or you yeah. know, or anywhere else. And that's insane. No, it is interesting because a lot of the inventions are I, – I have a joke where I say uh, San Francisco has become assisted living for millennials because all the inventions are about pizza delivery. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I like pizza Absolutely. delivery, but yeah. it, was, it was a really interesting – and everybody laughed. And I'm like, no, but think about it. No, What's being funny. designed – What's actually being designed is for their benefit. And so how do you, where are the creative things that well, are for you know, Which in general, which has always been true in marketing. Why, why, you know, why don't we focus on older people? It's the same thing. Every ad agency, mm-hmm. kind of, you're not allowed, you know, you're not allowed to be mm-hmm. hired if you're over 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, 32-year-olds don't understand 55-year-olds. And yet, you know, you can throw numbers around, but, you know, the little, just one quote that just nailed me relative mm-hmm. to this uh, is a guy who used to be the head of AARP, and he said, at the age of 50, mm-hmm. you have only gone through half of your adult life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to live to be 75. We're going to be relatively yeah, healthy at 75. Yeah. Uh, you know, the tuition is paid off. The mortgage is paid off. Right. We have this joy on earth called discretionary income mm-hmm. and time to spend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, zero, my old friend, she was a co-author of one of my books, Marty Barletta, wrote a fabulous entire book, and it was called Primetime Women. Mm-hmm. And she said the boomer woman market, there was one number that came out of Fidelity that was stunning. Uh, women in the United States over the next three to four years there will be a $22 trillion wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. My people, mm-hmm. the men, you know, we, we, do, we do you guys the favor of dying seven and a half years mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. That helps. Thanks so much. Women, yeah, it's you know, our pleasure. <laughs> uh, women may not be at the CEO level, but over 50% of American managers are women now. Mm-hmm. And so at the first three or four levels, the amount of of wealth coming in in terms of income and so right. on is enormously high. And it's, you know, you, you put women and age together and you have got the most dynamite market known to humankind. And, you know, one little number that, I mean, you know, take a classic yeah. example. The average American buys 13 automobiles in the course of his or her life, mm-hmm. all right? Seven of them after the age of 50. Mm-hmm. How much do the automobile well, makers focus on that? Not at all. It's but ridiculous. I don't think you're going to be buying cars. That's a different thing. Well, that's, so, a, different, that's so, a different story. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, it's it's a number right. that deals with multi-hundred billion-dollar market opportunity. Right. And that is no, a miss. Ain't, ain't all right. I want to finish up by talking about what you think the top uh, – trends in the workplace are going to be and the things that people have to, like, give me three of what you think people have to pay attention to in management. You can focus on, you know, your, this book talks about tech, but what do you imagine the most important ones? How tech, you were, I think your title is, your subtitle is How Tech Can Wow. Yeah. Um, well, it's, again, it's what we've been talking about all the way through. Uh, Henry Mintzberg, who is the real number one management guru from Canada, has a wonderful study that he revealed and it says that when you get out of university, if you have a professional degree, law, engineering, business, and so on, you get twice as many job offers, 50% as much income in year 20, the liberal art people, arts people have knocked, knocked them off the rails. There was a wonderful study. I'm sure you've you know, dealt on it. I, I saw a report in the Washington Post, and it came out of Google. All the, you know, their best employees, seven key traits, STEM is last. Mm-hmm. Uh, just staggering to mm-hmm. read that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, my my belief is in my perfect world, my company with 200 employees is going to focus on creating an environment where the pilot stops and helps somebody down the jetway. And you will remember that for the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. thanks to social media, mm-hmm. you will tell 83 gajillion right. people. So creating that kind of an environment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I got in, I don't know if you know the book, The Business Romantic by mm-hmm. Tim Lieberecht. It's a, it's a fabulous book. But he and I were talking about this and I was talking about stuff like the, and I, <laughs> I went out and I, you know, I'm always amazed at the domain names you could, mm-hmm. you can find. And so I've got two new domain names as a, as a fun, 
from last week, hmm. radical humanization and extreme humanization. Hmm. And I really think, you know, you can figure out how to use them. I don't know how to, I how like to use those. them. They aren't bad. No, it was they're a, great. It was, but, but it's extreme humanization to me, it's an offensive strategy. It is not a yeah. you know, defensive strategy. Right. I'm carrying around in my pocket something that came from this metro bank. It's a mm-hmm. blue plastic You're bone. walking your dogs, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, but what's inside it? Bags. A pooper scooper right, bag. Right, exactly, right. And, and that's how the hell you have, that's how you create 17,000 jobs in an industry that is laying off tens of thousands. Right. I believe humanization can work anywhere. Mm-hmm. I believe it can work with my six-person appliance repair guy. Mm-hmm. And and that, to me, is the answer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm... I don't go to church very much and so on, but I wrote a lot in the book as well of what I called moral responsibility. Right. And that's my real answer to what you're saying. Right. If I am a leader of anything, Mm -hmm. I have a moral responsibility to have the people who work for Mm -hmm. me for four months on a temp project or four years Mm -hmm. leave the organization better prepared for the future. There's a wonderful quote. Uh, Robert Altman won the Lifetime Achievement Award as a movie director, and he Mm -hmm. said, the role of—I just love this, and I've gotten fantastic response to it. The role of the director is to create a space where actors and actresses can become more than they have ever been before, comma, more than they have ever dreamed of being. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is what every business leader, whether you're working in a— six-person training unit in an $80 billion company or have a Mm six-person company. That's what it is all about, human beings serving human beings. And it's a great way to make money in 2018. So do you think the tech leaders are going to get that since they're on the hot seat now? No. 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 I I don't – and given the nature of government, I don't expect anything to come out of Washington. Uh, And I don't think they're going to become irrelevant. Uh, I think the whole process of using AI is mm-hmm. going to be much uglier. I mean, you know, for God's sakes, we talk about the Industrial Revolution. Yes, it took longer. But what did it include? A couple trivial things like World War One, World War Two, and so on. Yeah. It's going to be an incredibly messy transition, I number agree. one. And I don't think, I don't think that, you know, maybe, and you have to tell me mm-hmm. because you're the one who sits on the other side of the microphone, mm-hmm. maybe it's going to be better coming out of Austin, Greater Boston, Seattle, and so on. Maybe. And, and, you know, I happen to live in greater Boston now, but that's irrelevant. I'm still a Palo Alto boy. That's who the hell I am. Mm -hmm. The mentality, I think, around entrepreneurship in Boston, greater Boston, is a little bit less coarse and a little bit less rude. And and maybe that is a, you know, maybe that is a a significant saving grace over a longer period of time. But I'm not counting on Santa Clara County. All right. I weep for Santa Clara County. Oh, on that note, Tom, (laughs) preach. I like it. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I I agree with you 100%. It was great talking to you. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcast for more. If you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about the show. This helps them discover great interviews like this one. And also hear about the cesspools, moral cesspools that we that I work in. And I I think they're more like tiny puddles, but there's a lot of them. Now that you're done with this, you should check with our other podcasts, Too Embarrassed to Ask and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Saturday. Tune in then. Hello, listeners of Recode Decode. I'm Ravi Gurumurthy. And I am Grant Gordon, and we are co-hosts of a new podcast called Displaced from Vox Media and the International Rescue Committee, where Ravi and I work. Right now, we're seeing the biggest refugee crisis since World War II, the biggest number of people displaced because of conflict. You've seen it in the headlines about Syria or Yemen or Jordan. If you want to understand why that is and what can be done about it, listen to Displaced. Come subscribe. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.